the van. Ruba and the van. By Patricia Palaco. By Patricia Palaco. Once there was a poor farmer and his wife. They lived with their only child, Luba, in a humble dacha in a clearing on the edge of a deep forest. Their house was crowded and small. The roof leaked. The fences needed mending. The fields, although lovingly tended, were meager and bare. They had little comfort, but their daughter Luba was full of joy and free from care as all children should be. One day as Luba was looking for mushrooms deep in the forest, she heard a small pitiful cry coming from the tree above her. There she saw the most beautiful, delicate little wren caught in a fowler's net. Some sort of net. I'm not sure what a fowler is. She took pity on this little creature and climbed the tree to free it. It took wing and sang a glorious song. Then it fluttered down from the sky and landed on a branch next to her. To Luba's astonishment, the little bird spoke. My dear, how can I ever repay you for saving my life? It asked. When Luba found her voice, she replied, I would have done the same for any creature, little one. For your kindness, the bird said, I shall grant you any wish that you may ask of me, for I am enchanted. But I am content. I have no wish, Luba said, as she shyly laughed. If ever you want for anything, come to the forest and call me, the bird said. Luba ran all the way home and burst into the house and told her mother and father about the enchanted wren. Foolish girl, her mother groaned. Why didn't you ask the wren for a bigger house? You know how hard life is for us. We're so poor her father said. Couldn't you go back and ask? Her mother said warily. Go back to the forest and ask the wren for a bigger house on fertile land, they both pleaded. Aluba did as they asked and went to the edge of the forest. Little wren, little wren, please come to me, she sang out. Dear one, dear one, the wren chirped as she landed on a tree branch above Luba. What is it you wish? It is not mine, Luba said shyly. It is my parents' wish that brings me back to you. What then do they want? The wren asked cheerfully. A bigger house. They would like to have more room and also to have land that is rich and fertile so they don't have to work so hard to grow things. Go then, dear one, the wren said, for it is already done. 
Sure enough, as Luba got to the clearing where her small dacha had been, there stood a grand farmhouse indeed. Her parents greeted her. Their clothes were new and not patched. Their land was lush and fertile. The orchards were full of trees, heavy with ripe fruit. Luba's heart sang. She knew that her parents would be happy and content. But alas, within weeks, they were pacing the floor. We've been thinking, they said as they paced, we would like to have a bigger house with more fields and workers to help us farm. But I have already asked the wren for this wonderful farm. How can I ask her for more, said Luba. You saved her life, her father said sternly. She owes this wish to you. Now go and ask the wren for a manor house with acres and acres of land, her mother ordered. Lupa went to the edge of the forest. She was reluctant to call the little wren, but the wren came as soon as she heard Luba's voice. Dear one, what is it now? the wren asked. It is not for me. I wouldn't ask again, but it is my parents. They no longer like the farmhouse. Now they want an estate with acres of land and servants. The wren could see that the child was ashamed. Go then, my dear, the wren said, for it is already done. When Luba returned home, there instead of a big farmhouse stood a graceful house of estate, surrounded by lush gardens, ponds, and honking geese and swans. As she entered the house, her father was seated by the fireplace in a grand chair. He was truly lord of the manor. Her mother was seated next to him, being tended by handmaidens. Spread before them was a great table glowing with all kinds of wondrous things to eat. Now Luba was sure they would be happy and content. But just as before, Luba awoke one morning to see her parents pacing the floor. We've been thinking, they began, since the wren can grant us anything we want, why didn't we ask for a palace in the first place? But Mama, Papa, Luba pleaded, I cannot ask the wren again. Ah, but you can, the father hissed. After all, you saved her life, didn't you? She should be grateful, her mother bellowed. Go now, they ordered. And not only do we want a palace, but we wish to be rulers of all the Ukraine. Lupa walked slowly to the edge of the forest. Her heart was heavy. The sky was gray and dark. The forest looked bleak and unfriendly. Lupa called for the wren. The wren came. What is it they wish now? The wren asked sternly. Now they want to live in a palace and be rulers of all the Ukraine. Lupa answered. 
barely able to speak. Go then, my child, the wren said. It is already done. When Luba arrived home, she stood in the courtyard of a majestic palace. Everywhere she looked, there were, there were uniformed servants and guards. And when she entered the palace, there were her parents, surrounded by chancellors and vice-chancellors and noblemen from all the countries and estates in the Ukraine. I hope that this makes them happy at last, Luba thought. And they were for a time. But then, one morning, Luba awoke to find her parents standing near her bed. We have been thinking, he said, being rulers of the Ukraine is not what we thought it would be. Go to the Wren and ask her to make us the Tsar and Tsarina of all the Russias. This I cannot do, Luba cried. You must, they said. After all, we are the rulers of the Ukraine and you must not disobey. When Luba got to the forest, the wren was waiting for her. The sky was full of billowing gray, a billowing clouds, gray and stormy. Lightning crackled at their edges. Now what do you, what do they want? The wren asked impatiently. They want to be Cesar and Serena of all the Russias, Luba answered as she sobbed. And then it is already done. The wren sighed. As Luba approached the clearing, she saw the onion domes of the Cesars gleaming in the sun. Then she saw her parents, the Cesar and Serena of all the Russias, drive up in a golden coach festooned with riches and splendor that she had never imagined in her life. Surely, she thought to herself, this will finally make them happy and content. This time, it seemed that, at long last, they finally were. Then one day, Luba found them pacing the great hall. As Luba approached them, they said, Ah, Luba, we were thinking, now that we are Cesar and Serena of all the Russias, we see absolutely no reason why we cannot be emperor and empress of the entire world. Luba could not speak. Go to the Wren and make this so we command you, they growled. Luba hardly recognized her parents anymore, but she did as they asked. When she entered the forest this day, the sky was blacker than black. The trees twisted harshly. Storm clouds rolled angrily in the sky. The wind seemed to push against ev her every step. The wren was waiting for her. What now? The wren snapped. Luba did not speak for the longest time, but she finally found the words. 
They wish to be emperor and empress of all the world. Go then, the wren said. It is already done. Luba stood in the majestic throne room, and there, seated on the tallest thrones, were her parents, emperor and empress of all the world. They didn't even speak to her. Leaders from all lands near and far were bowing at their feet. At long last, Luba thought, they are happy and content. Then one day, as all the times before, she saw her parents standing, looking out of the window of her room. We've been thinking, they hissed, we want more, much, much, much more. We want to be as gods. Lupa was stunned. No, Papa. Mama, do you hear what you are saying? This is sacrilege. Silence, they thundered. Go, ask the wren. And Luba went to the forest. Never had the journey taken so long. A fierce storm raged in the sky above her. The wind howled. The trees writhed and shook. But the wren was waiting. Luba could not find the words to ask this wish. She just stood and cried. And now, the wren asked almost sadly, they want to be as gods. Luba Luba choked through her tears, and lightning slashed the sky in half. The thunder cried out Luba's name. The ground pitched and buckled under her feet. Go then, my child, the wren said softly. It is already done. And Luba walked sadly back to the clearing. Her steps were heavy. Her heart ached. But as she reached the clearing, she was astonished to see her little dacha, the dear little house just as it was before. The fences needed mending. The roof leaked. The fields were meager and bare. Then she saw her mama and papa sitting on the front porch. Her mother was mending torn clothing. Her father was carving a small piece of wood. Here is our dear treasure now, her mother exclaimed. I made this today just for you, her father said, as he showed her a carving of a small wooden bird. Was it wonderful in the forest today? They said as they stretched out their arms to her. Luba leaped into their warm embrace. At long last, her parents were happy and very, very content indeed. I am by Patricia Palaco. I discovered how much I loved art the summer I spent with my grandmother and father in Michigan. Grandma was an artist. She drew and painted so beautifully. Grandma even told me that I was a natural artist, 
So I couldn't wait to take art at school next fall when I got home to California. I only had one problem left. Tess. I just couldn't seem to pass them. I was back in California and I loved school. Hard to believe because once I had a lot of trouble reading, but not anymore. And I really liked my new teacher, Mr. Donovan. He was from Ireland and had sky blue eyes, a laugh that sounded like bells ringing, and a great Irish accent. He loved telling stories about his family back home, especially about his father. It seemed like he always had a smile on his face. But he didn't have a smile the day he handed back my first social studies test. I could feel my face get get real hot when I unfolded it. An F again. The trouble was everyone read faster than me. Even though I knew the subject real well, I'd run out of time before I was finished. I started having stomach aches when I knew a weekly test was coming up. Mr. Donovan finally sat me down. You know the subject, Trisha. What you need is extra time. He started giving me the time I needed, and sure enough, I began passing tests, but that didn't help my other problem. There was no real art class in my new school, just art on a cart for 30 minutes once a week. Then one day, Mr. Donovan saw one of my drawings. He picked it up and hung it on the bulletin board. Patricia, you have remarkable talent. All of the kids in class crowded up to look at the picture. Man, oh man, can you draw? Davy Mulford remarked. Wow! Rick Shubb agreed. Even Neon Price, who never spoke to me because she was so popular, was impressed. I felt so proud. It wasn't a day later when Mr. Donovan told me about Miss Chu, head of the high school art department. She has a special program for young artists on Tuesdays and Thursdays. When I showed her your drawings, she said she wanted you in her special class. Now, which, now what would you be thinking of that, Miss Trish? I love drawing. Sometimes when I was drawing, I'd forget to breathe. I danced on air all the way home that day. I couldn't wait to tell my mother. That first Tuesday, I never walked so fast in my life as I did to get to Miss Chu's class on time. I had never seen a room like hers. Windows that went from ceiling to floor, giant easels at one end, rows of drying racks at the other, and paint everywhere. I didn't know anybody. This Miss Chu breezed into the room, her smock was so covered in paint, it was a painting in itself. She was tall, slender, and she spoke with a Chinese accent. We have a new student today, she said, motioning toward me with her beautiful long fingers. Her name is Teresa Barber. Teresa? 
No, I wanted to shout, my name is Patricia. But Miss Chu had already spun around and was passing out sketchbooks. From that day on, I was Teresa. I could barely understand Miss Chu's accent. In this class, we're going to learn to speak another language. She touched her heart. The language of art. Art a language? But Miss Chu went on. It isn't spoken. It is the language of emotion and images. But first, she told us, you need to learn to see. See! She plopped down two salt shakers in the middle of the table. Open your sketchbooks. Take up your pencils. Now draw the shakers. But first, young friends, see them. Don't just look at them. See them. See how the light dances through the glass and makes a shadow pattern on the table? Yes, I saw it. Draw it, said Miss Chu. See how you can make your pencil line darker and lighter? She changed the line from dark to light. Yes, I saw that too. Yes, Teresa, Miss Chu said. You have it. Now do your drawings again. Move the shakers off center. Let them run off the page on purpose. Make them bigger and let them run off the page on purpose. Make them bigger. Get the dancing light as it makes its shadow. She sang as she moved from table to table. She made us draw those shakers six times in six different ways. At the end of the day, she said, take your, take your sketchbooks everywhere with you. First see, then draw. I couldn't wait. I took my sketchbook everywhere with me. On the bus home, I drew people sitting in their seats, even the bus driver. When I got home, I drew apples in a bowl and my cat, Tilly. After dinner, I made my mom and my brother, Richie, sit so I could draw them. Ain't you got no homework? My brother groaned. This is homework, I said. Sit a little longer. I almost have you. The next day, after I had finished my assignment, I asked Mr. Donovan if I could make a drawing of his dad, his father, from the photo on his desk. I tried to remember everything Miss Chu told me. The next art class, Miss Chu called me up to her desk. Everyone else had handed in one or two sketches. I had done over 20. Your drawings are very good. Her eyes smiled as if we had create we had a secret. The cat, the apples, your mother, your brother, and brother. You've captured every detail. I particularly like your use of negative space. See this drawing, Teresa? What do you see? She held up a picture. Two people looking at each other. Anyone can see that. Now, Teresa, 
Instead of looking at the two faces, look at what is between them. Nothing. Wait. Uh, a tall stemmed cup. First you read negative space. Now you are reading the actual object. What an idea. I started looking at all my own pictures for negative space. I was so happy. But a few weeks later, Mr. Donovan was called to the office. When he came back, his eyes were red. He couldn't seem to talk. He just stared out of the window. Finally, he spoke. My dad died today, he whispered. Our whole class got out of our seats and tried to comfort him. He left for Ireland the next day. That is when he got Mrs. Spaulding a substitute. She never smiled. Worst of all, when I was taking my weekly test, she came up behind me and ripped the paper out from under my pencil. Time's up, she barked. But Mrs. Spaulding, I'm not finished. Mr. Donovan always lets me have extra time because I'm not Mr. Donovan. And when I say you're finished, you are finished. Of course I failed the test. That's when she got just plain mean. Your time would be better spent studying for your test instead of leaving this school to take art classes, she hissed. And I'm going to see if I can make that happen. I tried to be brave and not tell Miss Chew. But, oh, but in class I began to cry and blurted out the threat that Mrs. Spaulding had made. Miss Chu began to shake her head slowly. Teresa, she said, you say you can't read fast enough to finish your test? I nodded. I watch you draw and you begin a drawing by drawing what is in negative space. I remember the picture of the two girls facing the glass. When you see a word, I think you don't see letters at all first. I think you first see the space around them. The pattern they make. No wonder your reading takes you so much time, Miss Chu said. I smiled, but I still wasn't quite sure what she meant. I know someone I think can help, a reading specialist. No one is taking you from this class. I sprang to my feet and hugged her. Tomorrow, Teresa, I'm I'm assigning you an easel. You're not only ready for painting. Maybe you can be part of the high school spring art show. The following day, Mrs. Spaulding announced we would take a timid 
or a timed citywide test that would determine what classes we would take next year. We'd have 45 minutes to finish. I only finished half the test. I knew my art class was over, but when I told Mrs. When I told Miss Chu, she said, "We'll just see about that." With my mother's permission, she would take me herself to see. She would take me herself to see her friend, the reading specialist. After class, Miss Chu took me to her car, a convertible. As we drove off, the car sounded like it was growling, and I loved it. When we drove by my school, and Mrs. Spalding actually saw us. <laughs> Doctor McClare played what seemed like a hundred reading games with me, but I wasn't afraid. I knew he was trying to help. When he finally called Miss Chu in, he said, "You're spot on, Miss Chu. She reads patterns, not words. This takes time." Miss Chu wanted a meeting of all the players. Everyone came: the principal, Mrs. Spalding, Miss Chu, Doctor McClare, and my mother. Mrs. Spalding said the extra art class was simply a distraction. Trisha is drawing instead of studying, Miss Chu said. But, but she needs extra time to finish tests. All tests. And she and Doctor McClure said that I see things differently than most students. Mrs. Spalding scoffed, as if to say, huh, "What could an art teacher know about how a child learns?" I don't tell you how to teach a child to draw. It was as if she didn't think art teachers were real teachers. That maybe art was even a mere loss. That maybe art wasn't even a real class. Mr. Donovan came back exactly two days later. I couldn't help myself. I ran to him and hugged him. I'm so glad you're back. I said, when someone else told him what Mrs. Spalding was trying to do, he got、um, really red in the face. And I don't know exactly what happened after that, but it seemed that Mrs. Spalding was no longer needed as a substitute, not in the whole school. So, I want to. I went to, so I went on to Miss Chu's class every Tuesday and Thursday. Of course, as soon as Mr. Donovan gave me extra time when I took my tests, I passed them with flying colors. I decided to use the sketch of Mr. Donovan's face for my first painting. When Miss Chu saw it, she just stood, stood there and looked at me. Teresa, this sketch is so full of emotion and love. You have most certainly learned the language of art. Mr. Donovan will be so moved. When I finish the painting, she said, "Teresa, this painting is going to be part of the art show. You'll be the only exhibiting artist who isn't a high school student." I couldn't believe it. Me.
me in the spring art show. Later that day, later that day, Miss Chu asked me to stay after their class. She handed me a package wrapped in bright red tissue paper and said softly, We Chinese believe that red brings luck. And Teresa, remember this ancient Chinese proverb, Yesterday is history. Tomorrow, a mystery. Today, a gift. That is why. It is called the present, she smiled. When I opened the gift, I caught my breath. It was one of Miss Chu's painting smocks. For me, I wanted to cry. I'm sorry. It was one of Miss Chu's painting smocks. For me, I wanted to cry. When I looked in her eyes, she had tears too. Only a week later, I wore my new smock to the art show. Light was dancing off the mirror chandeliers. Our paintings were everywhere. I was so proud. Then I saw Mr. Donovan standing in front of my painting of his father. He couldn't speak. He took my hand, squeezed it. He took my hand and squeezed it. Miss Chu came up to us. She looks so radiant. It's beautiful, isn't it? She whispered to him. I looked at the two of them. Miss Chu was right. This moment was a present. It turned out to be the defining moment in my young life. I was set on a course to be an artist. It could be no other way, thanks to the art of the amazing Miss Chu. Dear reader, if I could have, I would have addressed this letter to Miss Chu, but since she is no longer here, I want you to understand the deep and abiding feelings I will always hold for her. Violet Chu not only taught me how to see, but how to perceive, evaluate, and appreciate the beauty of art. The tragedy is that today too often monies are no longer available in many public schools to support art, music, drama, or descriptive arts programs. How could this be? Art teaches us to speak a language that originates in the heart, the soul, and earliest memories. How could any course be more important? Miss Chu went on to become my art teacher at Oakland Technical High School during the 1960s. It is solely because of her that I managed to earn a scholarship in California College of Arts. In all the years that Miss Chu was in my life, she never called me by my given name. I am and always shall be her, Teresa. So, Miss Chu, I'm thanking you for your remarkable art, your ever-feeling heart, and your belief in young people. Sincerely, Patricia Palacco.